What's up, PlayStation Universe, and welcome to episode four of PlayStation Fix with Wake Force. My name is Will Robinson, and this week we have two of our other members of the team. We've got Kyle your Prawl. Esteemed, your esteemed co-founders. Yep. Esteemed co co-founders. Hello. Yep. Kyle Prawl, that was the one who chimed in there. Uh, <laughs> Ernest Lynn is the other one that's joining us. Hello, hello. All right, so how are you guys doing? I'm well. I'm well. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Good. All right. So Going we got down. we got a lot to talk about because we are. This is basically our uh, Paris Games Week special. It is. Is what yeah. we're doing now. There is a it, l- yeah. lot of stuff that got covered. <laughs> is your week than usual? Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna try to get through as many of the major announcements as we can, and the ones that pr- primarily the ones we're gonna talk about are the ones that interest us the most. So we're going to get to those in a little bit. But first, we're going to start off with a story that came out right before Paris Games Week kicked off, or at least the Sony sh- show started. And that was an announcement that a European retailer has PlayStation VR listed at four ninety nine and 90 cents euros. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yep. Add the little 90 in there. Yeah, so that's a thing. That's a price. Yep, and it was an Italian retailer called multiplayer is the place that has it right and here's the thing about that i know i know i i've heard the name multiplayer several times i mean it's a retailer that people look to pretty frequently for game hints like this i do think that it's yeah i think the big question here right is whether it's a placeholder and i think it i think it absolutely is but i I, i'm not saying that that's out of the realm of possibility for the final price Mm-hmm. Um, which is scary. I mean, it's yeah. scary to, to right. think and that. And before, before think we get just... too far with that, the uh, U.S. currency translation to that is from four ninety nine ninety euro is five hundred and fifty one dollars and four cents. My so, my logic in like which if is, they yeah, did and select, if them. they did select this as a placeholder is that it's always better to have it higher, right. lower because then and the they people who pre-order get the pleasant surprise of oh hey I guess this, this does this does nice. kind of raise a, a, an interesting side question though. I think you're absolutely right Ernest it's higher yeah. than it will be um but what it's always I mean, safer too to do that you know could, could we do could we do an over under could we do a board bet on what we think it's going to cost each of us hmm. uh um, what you hope 250 that's what I'm going to say hmm. I was kind of it depends on this such since it's such a new field it's hard to know kind of like the production costs for this type of technology because oh, yeah. like if, like game yeah. consoles have they're basically regurgitated parts that have existed for a while and they just kind it's, of reconfigure them it's interesting that but, you say that because because the issue like we, we typically tackle this and we think about like you know what's how much is the ps4 going to cost well how much do they need to set it at to recoup the development and to actually make a profit on the console but for this mm-hmm. not only is it different in the sense that they've put tens of millions of dollars into r&d but they've also said that this is this is the future of PlayStation. Like this is, you know, pr- presumably you, we might be looking at a future like if this takes off in the way they're hoping it will, mm-hmm. this will be the base for whatever machine is the next PlayStation, and you yeah. will play everything through PlayStation VR, or at least you know eighty percent, seventy percent of things. This right. is like the this is like the decade from now, kind of two decades from now future, but. It is. It, they're hoping it's a mainstay and not an accessory. So that being the case, well, again, it just makes it hard. It makes it hard to do because yeah. if they if they set it at something like three hundred dollars, that's they're gonna take a mm-hmm. huge loss. Well, maybe not. I was a loss, thinking like three fifty. Honestly, was kind of what I was. Yeah. Either way, it's gonna take but... forever. 
forever to recoup the development costs, and I'm not sure they will in, in, in a decade or two, but then that's their whole idea is that this the R&D money that we're pouring into it now will be the future of video games, and we're actually investing in a future that most people can't see yet. Mm-hmm. So it's tough, yeah. I mean, I think for it to succeed in the eyes of consumers, to succeed on a consumer level... Uh, I mean, I, I, I definitely like. There's definitely people who will pay three fifty, four hundred. I think you really start to see a drop off. You know, that's, I can. Yeah, <laughs> man, I don't know. Three fifty. That's that's the price of the PS4. Right. That's, that's I still. Yeah. That's what I expect it's it to high, kind of be by. So. I don't. I don't want it to be that, but I don't see it. I I don't see it being two fifty. Unfortunately, I, I mean don't they don't want this thing to arrive dead on arrival. Right. So. I mean, yeah. If they're smart, they're gonna sell it way lower than it should be priced at like they did with PS4 they and then to. they basically right. got all of their money back because so many people jumped on it. Right. Yeah, so yeah, that's... and then, you know, it's just the standard console model losing money on the hardware yeah. but recouping costs on software. But this more. is this is such a bigger risk to it. It's a huge so risk. So it's like that's that's the nothing... thing is I don't I I feel them I feel like they'll play it a little safer yeah. than they will with the console because it's they have to get it right. Yeah, they have to, and like the price, the price will. God, can you the the, the stress in these meetings must just be off the freaking charts. Because <laughs> like you like this is it. Like this is make or break. The number you set will will determine whether your fifty million dollars was was all for nothing. Right. right. Where's that sweet balance where we can lose this amount, but then you know we'll be able to quickly kind of recoup yeah because that's tough because then it's like yeah it's hard to predict because this is something that consumers don't know that they they want or need now right and they want to set it low to like have that adoption and and to make sure that it gets a high adoption rate yeah but you you set it too low and if it still doesn't work out because there is the possibility that morpheus sells extremely well but vr goes away again like that's a possibility too and if that happens you want the price to be high enough that you at least made back your money or got close so yeah but you don't want accounting knocking on your door saying oh wow we uh vr's kind of waning out and we didn't sell enough software with the headset so we're gonna have to where numbers are looking in the red all right so that'll be a good transition into things that did get announced at paris games week which as we'd hoped we talked about in the last episode we said that they needed to and they did they needed to focus on PlayStation VR and show us why we should buy one of these. So we're going to talk about what came out and we'll see if they actually did convince any of us if it's on its way of being worth the estimated high price it will be. So first off, kind of an, we'll start start off slow, which was an addition. <laughs> be gentle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was an, it's an addition to an already a game that's already out, which is DLC to Until Dawn, Rush of Blood. Yeah, which is going to be a VR game. So I, I personally haven't played Until Dawn. Unfortunately, I have seen a good amount of it. I know a mm-hmm. lot about it, about it. You guys have both played it, correct? I know Kyle reviewed it. Yeah, I reviewed I it. I haven't yet. I want haven't. to. Okay. Yeah, I was so, going to say I didn't think Ernest had. So oh, what? Yeah. So Kyle is the person, the only person here who's actually played it. How right, would you right. imagine it as a VR game? Does that actually does that interest you more, or would you rather play it as its original? 
the what you I, already experienced. God, I sir, I mean, I, I think I'd have to be kind of crazy to, to like having finished until dawn and knowing that it's a good game. Be like, oh, but I think it would be better as a VR game. Like, well, yeah, maybe not. You know maybe that, not better, but as as equally valid of an experience. Maybe. Well, well we know that we know that it's going to be an on rails shooter. I mean, shooter you could apply it loosely. An on rails horror game, if that's. Right. And it's, I mean, in that sense, it's, it's going to be one. I guess not one of the first because there have been on rails horror games before. You know, kind of cheaply made games that don't really stick into your memory as being high quality games. But yeah, on rails. Um, that's an. That's a yeah. <laughs> I do. I think it has the chance to be of a of a similar quality. Uh, yes, I think you know it, it is. It is an apples and oranges comparison, but within the realm of its own. If of its own thing of being an on rails horror game, I think, you know, super massive games has only made this one game at least on this AAA scale, and if if we use that as a perfect concept, they're good game makers. So, I think it could be fun and worthwhile. I do find it interesting though that we, that they're marketing it as, well, I don't think you can call it until dawn DLC. I know it's what people are calling it, but considering this is probably not going to come out until. You got to think May or June of next year. At that point, it's kind of an Until Dawn spinoff, sort of like Fable: The Journey or something along those lines, sure. uh, which actually was an on rails uh, adventure. Now that I think about it, um, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely curious because I think uh, there's there. It's probably not everybody at Supermassive working on this, so. Right. I don't think it's going to come at the expense of whatever their next true game is. So in the meantime, yeah, I think I think I think I'm interested to see it, and I think um, Until Dawn is a name that has a lot of positive associations in people's mind right now. So you know, if, if there's, I think I think this is probably a case where Supermassive wanted to make something for PlayStation VR, and they say, hey, this is really cool, and we're we're this new studio kind of working with you, Sony, so let's let's choose something cool, and, and for that, more power to them. So, yeah, I guess yeah. I'm excited to play it. All right. Well, okay. another announcement is actually this. The announcement for it coming or having VR support came after the fact that it, when it was announced at Paris Games Week, and that's Tekken 7, which was confirmed <laughs> for PS4. And it's getting VR support. So what do you guys think about that? Because Tekken franchise it's is a obviously fighting a fighting game, game franchise. Yeah. Uh, so I think the most practical and safe option by having VR support would mean basically the same view as if it was on the TV except in 3D. Um, and you can look around like you have you kind just, of a... Yeah, like you can look around a camera. Little. Right, you can sort of move the camera just like a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's overall just kind of like this 3D effect. Um, I hope they don't do a stupid first-person mode like they did on Dead or Alive 5 Plus on mm-hmm. the Vita, where you could yeah. fight in a weird first-person mode. You turned your Vita sideways, so it's like vertical, long screen, <laughs> See, and then you like swipe the screen. It was dumb. See, my fear in hearing this is that <laughs> this immediately makes me think of when PlayStation Move was first being like advertised for and really supported, there was that boxing game that came out, like when oh, it yeah, launched. Yeah, yeah. That just yeah. was so so bad. See, but I that's, think, that's yeah. what I feel like. It, I, I'm, that's what I'm. I don't know. I mean, I, I want to know more about it because that's what's going to be weird to me is that if it's going to be like straight on, like you are the play like i don't see how else it's going to be as a fighting game if you're not in control of one of the players but then i don't see how that ad- that how you can adapt the fighting 
styles and the and, moves. And yeah, and that's and that's weird. what leads me to think that it won't be really an adaptation of the fighting mechanics. It'll be more of a perspective thing because uh, yeah, which is which honestly, I, you know, people a lot of people say or think that you can't do a VR game in third person, but I actually think even if it's a subtle change, I think VR does add something to third person games and it's like IMAX that, on your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being able to slightly change the perspective and see like, oh, what's what's you know, a little bit above that character. Right. It can mm-hmm. reveal new things. Or you could say, you know, it could be an environmental game, like like something like Until Dawn. And Until Dawn you use the six axis to turn your character's head, which is really kind of arbitrary. Like you really mm-hmm. like you, you do it mostly to like point the flashlight and it's kinda awkward. But like something like that, like you move your own head with the game. And maybe, you know, the screen kind of stays center, but you move your head and, like, the light comes up to the corner like that. I, I could see something like that actually working and feeling kind of nice. So, But that that's odd that I say that, too, because it doesn't really fit with, with Tekken because you're not doing those same things. So, sure. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a weird one. I, I'm not super worried that they'll throw it into a full-on fighting thing because I think that would just be... You'd be wasting. It'd be a different game point. at that point. Yeah, so yeah. It's like you be... shouldn't call it Tekken Seven at that point. Yeah. All right. So a different VR game, though, a new, totally new announcement that I I'm actually really interested in, and not just because my last name is part of the title, but it's uh, Robinson: The Journey, which is <laughs> VR, which was basically I I've, that. Well, who do you who do you know at Crytek? Uh, I wish. Um. <laughs> They that game looks like it could be absolutely terrifying. Like <laughs> it's like seeing like the that trailer was really awesome where you're just kind of following on the little iBot that's just kind of floating around and then all of a sudden there's just like a T a T Rex of some kind that just like shows up and stares you down and then the trailer ends. <laughs> like Yeah, it could be, oh. especially if the if they if they nail the perspective right. That's what's crazy about VR and, and we've all experienced VR at this point. It's like they, when you really kind of nail that uh, to, to steal the, the, the cliche Oculus phrase, that magic of presence, like, mm-hmm. things do scare you in a way that is eerily similar to the way they scare you in the real world. Yeah, yeah, that's what's I was just trying to, yeah, I was imagining that as while I was watching it I was just thinking of, like what I got to sit through with Morpheus, at, well at the time Morpheus PlayStation VR, which was totally different, but just imagining what that would be like from that little experience I had was like, oh my god, like this is gonna be so insane. Just like looking up and seeing like a brontosaurus just like <laughs> pounding next to you is like that. We, that was a cool like ex- just I mean just like thinking about that was a cool experience. So it's like we a, don't know we don't know a whole hmm. lot about the mechanics of that game right now, do we? I mean, like I in terms of like what you what no, I don't think so. It's are just, and how you control it. It was just see. I'm as well. I'm, I'm assuming it's got the move controllers involved because it seems like move is involved in every uh, PlayStation VR game uh, to some right. degree. But it's yeah. I don't. I don't think it was detailed in terms of how you actually control. But it like the only thing that the trailer really gave off is that the little iBot that was there. You just followed him and did what he said. He said we're going to play a game, and now mm-hmm. the, the game was don't get stomped or whatever. And then, <laughs> And then at the end, he's like, he wants, now let's play a different game. Are you ready to play a different game or something? And then it was the T-Rex just, like, staring you down. So it was like, and then it ended. So it was, I don't know. It's it, it, 
they didn't look like there was any real interaction. At yeah. least from that, it looked more. It was just kind of like a. I, I'm trying to even think of how you would describe it. It's just more. I mean, it'd be more kind of like a haunted house kind of feel, where it's like you're not. Nothing is going to get you, but every, like the threats are all around you, kind of thing. It's kind of what I got from it, where it's like. Yeah, you this know, environment is super intimidating, but it has no interaction with you really. And it, and the press release, the press release kind of mirrors what you're saying. This is this is published on on Crytek's site, and I'll just pull out a couple sentences from it. They say sure. uh, the game is being crafted to capitalize on the boundless potential of PlayStation VR and will empower gamers. This is kind of the part that speaks to what you're saying to explore the stunning world around them mm-hmm. with a new degree of freedom. And then a little bit later, they say. The cooperation between Sony and Crytek underscores the versatility of CryEngine for other developers looking to unleash their ideas on powerful VR hardware. Hmm. So doesn't that kind of sound almost like Crytek is Crytek's making this now, but they're a little more interested in like just licensing CryEngine to other people to like do different things with it? And this is a little more of like oh, a sure. it's like a tech demo. For them, yeah, basically. like 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 a full fledged tech demo, but like an exploration tech demo. Right. Kind. It's a tech demo to sell units of their engine, basically. It's kind of like <laughs> which, yeah. which is which is a little a little bit of letdown. I hope it's got some meat to it because you know it should. It's a game. Yeah. I They're mean, marketing it like a game. So yeah, that's what's going to be interesting too to me is like how VR games are going to be priced in the future. Like where the, what the range right. is going to be for like the content that's available to it. Oh, I hope it. I hope there's a you know a variation in price and that they don't have to feel that they need to hit a fifty or sixty dollar price point. You know that they can go sort of the more well, that's uh, a really more like indie really pricing route. You know where yeah. they can yeah. set their own price and be like, hey, we're a four hour experience. Let's just price ourselves at like thirty forty mm-hmm. or something. You know? Yeah, and that's that. You know, maybe it's 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 a good point to remind ourselves of the fact that this might, you know, again we're talking in futures and like three, four, five years out. This might start to change the de- not not the definition of video game, but just the landscape of video games. Because like I'm on the Robinson official website right now, just reading a little bit more about the game, and it's they very much stress. With freedom to explore the surroundings in 360 degrees of detail, mm-hmm. players will become pioneers by interacting with the reach ecosystem around them. And it's like they they very much seem to be speaking to the exploration as the point of the game. And there are games like that, but like not not in VR and not where there's zero yeah. interaction. So I I like what you said, Ernest, about the changing price model because I think I think like Robinson, like people might be disappointed at first, but then you start to realize like. We shouldn't necessarily hold VR games to the same. Well, it needs it needs uh, you know objectives. It needs a map. It needs all right. these. Right. Yeah, I think it's going to carve its own niche for sure, and it's going to yeah. it's going to establish right. its own pricing separate from the rest of the game industry. Yeah, given so that it's sense. such it's such an infantile stage, and that these games aren't going to really hold a candle in some regards to. The tri- other triple A sixty dollar blockbuster. I could see, you know, I could see it being similar to what we saw with, say, the Connect games, where none of those really exceeded fifty dollars, which is you know ten dollars less than a standard triple A. Sure. A lot of them were, you know, thirty forty. I, you know, a lot hmm. with a lot of those titles. So okay, well, another one of the other games that was announced for VR that may be seeing a lo- little bit lower of a price point. I would think. Compared to a normal game, is Battlezone, 
which was mm. a tank shooter, like first person kind of tank battle kind of game. It looked, I mean, it looked like it looked kind of like Tron almost in terms of like the animation style or, or not animation, but the is that based on the old Atari game at all? Is that related? I am not sure actually, because then it it might be. I wonder. You're right. Those. I think it, it. Yeah, it looks, probably. It looks yeah. Stupidly like Tron. <laughs> I would say yeah. Probably I would say it has to be at least inspired by it. Right. That for sure. Hardcoregamer.com does call it a Battlezone reboot. Um, so yeah. there you go. It may indeed be a reboot. Yeah, okay, but I mean, it. I can't imagine that game having a lot of depth to it. But I yeah. Mean it, Interesting, because it, it wouldn't have much depth. You know, Battlezone obviously never had much depth, but then it wouldn't have much depth. But then at the same time, it, it, it's almost, it almost seems like the most interactive of the, of the games we've been talking about. Right, so well, yeah, well, let me, let me re- reestablish what I meant by depth in terms, I mean, like, in terms of, uh, like, Robinson, the potential maybe for depth. Like, Robinson, the journey seems like it has a lot of potential to be, like, this really kind of expansive yeah, that they could go that way. It probably won't be given like what what you would read off their site and that kind of stuff. But maybe it will be. But in terms of just like, it's going to focus more on the well, like the originals that we just established that this clearly is inspired by. But it's going to focus more on its gameplay as just kind of a fun, uh, just a fun get together with friends. I'm assuming online and play battle, fight each other in first person as tanks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it it looks it looked like it'd be looked like it'd be a heck of an experience to say the least. Anyway, for the, have which, shots of Oliar in first person. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that sounds like it'd be good. Another thing with projectiles flying at your face in first person, which would be is uh, rigs. Rigs. Got, yeah, more dude. I thought we were going to talk about rigs next. Is a perfect perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. So I know Ernest, you got to play rigs at yeah. E3. Yes. Yep. You said you. Well, you sounded like you said you had a lot of fun with it. I'm pre- pretty sure you talked about it last time on our around our last podcast. I might have. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, one of the one of the better VR slash you know. I guess it's not Morpheus PlayStation VR games mm-hmm. overall. Um, you know, using the head your head motion to lock on, and um, I didn't experience any really nauseating motion sickness. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Again, I don't think it's justifiable to have that as a sixty dollar game, but I think uh, you know forty fifty. I suppose would be a good price point for it. So, the trailer at Paris Games Week didn't really show anything wildly new or different from what we've already seen. Mm-hmm. But were you kind of surprised? Or I mean, it, maybe not surprised, but it was an interesting thing that they didn't show maybe like a full-blown match or something considering that a number of people have already gotten to play it i think that would just would have been interesting to have people on stage you know and they get, would switch between the views um, I don't know, what, what do you what would you think since you've played it i haven't mm, played it so i'm not sure how that would translate it's not but. it's not particularly fun to watch i don't think <laughs> if you if it wasn't a vr shooter sure i don't think it would be that unique okay like you're getting you know. that much hype. What's interesting yeah. is that I did hear that they had like demo kiosks and like f- teams set up on the show floor, but yeah, they didn't. I feel like that's when everybody tunes out. You know, like the hardcore people are going to follow Paris Games Week coverage all week long and maybe catch some of those matches, but 
the stage is where you really want to show a couple minutes of a match, right? Like that yeah. would have been powerful than a trailer in my mind because we already knew mm. Riggs. Like you could have shown this exact same Riggs trailer at E3, and it's just interchangeable. You know, like it's like there's no the promotional hasn't moved forward at all in yeah. the last so several months. That's what I don't understand. Is like when we were at E3, we got to see a booth set up with people playing it and they had somebody like coaching them as they were playing with the headset on but then there were also big there were big screens facing out towards the passers-by that could see what the people were looking at and I thought that was really interesting to see and to see the reactions on stage and stuff yeah so or the reactions in the booth so I don't understand why they just don't try that on stage just to show people playing a VR game with this whatever screen is going on to see what they're showing, and you can see how people are reacting to it in real time. Yeah, I think so, it would have been a good move. Ultimate, I mean, I don't, feel, I don't remember any I, time when Sony has has done that. So maybe they just didn't I want to put the resources the, toward the execution or something. Right. I wonder what the concern was with how it was going to be presented, and they didn't want too much fakey acting to get involved. It's kind of like when you we had all those different motion control games being demonstrated at press conferences. <laughs> and those never seemed that cool or sexy. Also they never worked. Right. I think it would be great if they just took a, <laughs> that too. <laughs> it'd be great if they just took a risk during one of their presentations one time and just did something that wasn't scripted. Like you have Shuhei Yoshida come out and introduce a VR game and then the dev says, "Hey, Shu, come and jump in our seat, and you're going to play part of our game that you haven't seen yet, or this section." And then he just has to react to it in real time. I think that would just be amazing. Just th- people would love to; they would eat that up. Oh yeah, like, Shu, hey, Yoshida, just like freaking out and be like, "Oh, this is awesome," and just like screwing yeah. up and being a goof because he's just like a fun guy. And then developer X gets pulled off stage and and lambasted by Sony execs for right. going well, off script. Well, it, it would be that would be planned. I mean, not to be off. It would it wouldn't be off script, but it would be unscripted, like the sequence that was going on. It would be part of the series of the, this part of the show, but they would just have like somebody who hasn't experienced the game sit down and play it, because then you get that real reaction. But you have somebody who's professional, like Shuhei mm. Yoshida, do it. So it's like there's not not picking some random person from the crowd and no, yeah, it'd be cool. Expect you know, to do it. I think it brings up an interesting question about, and this is you know. We have a lot of stories to get to, but it does bring up an interesting mm-hmm. point about how they how they market the device. And I almost feel like one part of the what I'm sure will be a substantial marketing budget. How about a bus tour? Like, how about a Blitzkrieg tour of major <laughs> U.S. cities, and you get just as many normal people or normal people, everyday people, yeah. uh, mainstream consumers to just put it on their heads and play it as possible? Because I think the word of mouth oh my God, about yeah. how yeah. cool it is and like. That's that's gonna sell it more than a commercial to me because the commercial yeah. is like, you know, like it's this is one of those weird technologies where reading about how it feels to use it, like like a like a Forbes article or a Wall Street Journal article, would almost be more informative than a commercial could be because you're getting a firsthand account of what it felt like, and I think the best way to do that probably is to put it in the hands of people around the country so they start telling their friends and their family and like. You know, build up that word of mouth buzz so that you have some context to the game visuals you're showing on TV and on YouTube. Yeah, so you we, got you got that picture, and then you also have heard from a friend how it feels. Context, um, Sony. We actually, yeah, we actually uh, <laughs> we discussed it a little bit, I think, last podcast, and um, about just VR in general. And I said, 
one of the strengths that Sony has is they already have all these point of purchase displays and kind of demo small demo kiosks set up in major retailers like Best Buy and Target and how yeah. cool it would it be to have a Morpheus in there that anybody mm-hmm. could put on and try it out. Oh, I, th- I then, think for sure you know, they're going you know, to, yeah, and they'll have to then, Or, you know, have on weekends maybe a rep there to sort of guide people through and inform people. Yeah. Kind of make a scene. You know, should have a, they should have a rep there all the time, not just weekends, but that does become expensive. Right, and, yeah. Right, and, right. and a kind of a liability, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's tough, you know, because it almost makes you wonder, like, what was it like when the first, maybe not the first consoles, but like the early, early consoles, like your PS ones, and to some extent your PS twos, like when those first hit the markets, and so many people in in, in the states hadn't played a video game console yet, mm-hmm. it's like you kind of pick up a thing for the first time, you're like, what is this? Yeah. I mean, like you, like Ernest, your idea could be redefined a little bit and kind of merge with Kyle's a bit, where you just put that those stations in the major. Outlets in some major cities, and then yeah. you have a PlayStation rep that's always that fully employed to just be there every day, right? Like a mall tour would be like yeah. So it's like they don't have to travel around, but it's just like that. It's like a central mo- place. Like where movies being released travel. in selected theaters. It's like mm-hmm. this is being released in select available in select stores, like <laughs> in Chicago, New York, L.A. Those kind of places, and they just have. A I just had the thought there. that they could camp out at major airports, and if you want to leave, you have to <laughs> do a VR demo. All right, so we got one more VR game on our list. To finish up this this round, uh, and that's a game that actually people have been waiting for for a long time, and we're hoping would show up, but not at the same name. It was Gran Turismo Sport, uh, which was announced. Yes. So the next Gran Turismo is not Gran Turismo Seven, but Gran Turismo Sport, and it is uh, confirmed as a VR experience. So what do you guys think about that? It, it, it makes sense. Um, it's a natural this, fit, yeah. It'll, yeah. It's a natural fit, and I, I think this could be, you know, this is a real maybe a weird thing to kind of say, but I think it makes sense where Gran Turismo was always too much of a simulation for me. Like, uh, like I mean, you know, yeah. going back from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, it, it's just too simmy. Like, it's, it's too hardcore for my taste and how involved I want to be. But I have a feeling that just by necessity, the VR game will be less so because that's just too much for... Well, for one thing, it's too much to have that be a launch game that you want people to you know, get into and have it be accessible and they're you know, using VR for the first time. So I think they'll tone it down because of that, but I also think that just because it's VR, it'll have to be a little bit simpler on the simulation side of things. So it might be a good entry point, as odd as that, as odd as that seems. Sure. Gran Turismo in VR might be... A good entry point for Gran Turismo. <laughs> yeah, so maybe, it's yeah. a it's an established you know brand. It's an established genre. You know, people will understand kind of how to play the game, and I feel like the VR elements will be mainly to sort of look around, and change your perspective. It kind of reminds me of how I think Forza handles Connect support, where you can just sort of turn your head and then the perspective. Switch is a little bit to yeah, the left or the right. Racing games, racing games are so well suited for this. Like, it's, yep, it's yeah. a perfect, perfect genre for VR. Yeah, so I think we're going to see a lot more racing games just in general. But um, right. yeah, it's nice to see Gran Turismo back. I, I it, it does. You know, I, I could see the core Gran Turismo fan being a little bit concerned because. I'm sure that Gran Turismo Sport is not a small undertaking, and Polyphony isn't known for developing their games quickly. 
mm-hmm. um, which means that the um, the true sequel, your Gran Turismo Seven, may be that much farther off, like <laughs> years yet to be seen. Um, which which would disappoint some people, but um, yeah, as somebody who isn't super into Gran Turismo, I think the VR could be a good entry point for me. So that's why I'm excited. Yeah, and it's like, and if you haven't been following the evolution of Morpheus and now PlayStation VR, and knowing how serious Sony is in backing this project. The fact that they have one of their biggest franchises of all time in Sony, or on PlayStation, as one of the lead titles for PlayStation VR definitely says something. It does. It's a good, yeah. It's a good. It's a good bit of faith. You know, it's a goodwill gesture for sure. Um, yeah, and even having just like really top-notch studios making some other sh- VR projects. It shows their that they're serious about uh, this initial commitment. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like with the when the Vita launched, we had Uncharted Golden Abyss, you know, to show like, hey, you know, at least from the start, they were really serious about supporting yeah, it. I always like to use after the first day. <laughs> <laughs> to me, Golden Abyss is always it's the worst Uncharted game by no fault of its own. <laughs> yeah, right. If it was uh, a game that wasn't. A Uncharted game. If there were no other Uncharted games, it'd be a hell of an Uncharted game. <laughs> yeah, and it's still by far one of the best-looking portable games. Okay. Yeah, well, speaking of best-looking games, there was also a new trailer that showed, or no trailer that came out for Star Wars Battlefront, which actually for me was like the perfect shot for piquing my interest of the game again after the last couple of weeks where we kind of. Talk, talked yeah, we about were, the things uh, that we were lacking yeah. oh, that we, we were yeah. we were kind of skeptical of but I mean just seeing that whole interaction and the interplay of all the different the heroes and stuff like they had recently announced earlier last week or was it before, a little before I can't remember but a little while a while ago they announced uh, Princess Leia Han Solo and Emperor Palpatine as heroes slash villains that you can play and this trailer also showed Boba Fett in action but just hearing that kind of the dialogue that was going on and seeing all of them in action in this trailer for the first time, and it was it would just seemed like a really like again it was a lot of it was CG. So and you do get to see Endor. I mean that's a that's a big yeah part that was too. really even, cool. Even actually. for just a few brief seconds, it's like leaping up on landing on that wooden plank, and you're just like, oh yeah, yeah. That was yeah. They so did an good. awesome job for that because it's it. I was kind of fading away in interest for yeah. a little while there, and then this just gave me the perfect <laughs> boost, just kind of getting like, oh, yeah, I'm excited for this again. Right, there's still, feel, there's still stuff like the, we haven't seen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I almost feel like the... Is it the maps of the beta that were a little... that tempered our interest a little bit? Should the, should the Let me put it this way. Should the maps have been Hoth and Endor, you know? Like like something that's a little more iconic Star Wars. Than... I don't think they would have wanted to do that though, because I mean that was exactly Not what they spoiled. did. Because the first trailer that came out for it that showed action started with Endor. It was Endor, and yeah. that was the one that I've got everybody excited. And then they didn't include it in the beta, but everybody was still excited because they were playing Battlefront. And now this trailer came out again that showed more of Endor, and then it got people really excited. Yeah, I guess so the they're, the they're day, playing it smart. Right, and even you know we had the negative feelings, and now it's all washed away. So they definitely yeah. came out on top regardless. So. Yeah, so I mean, there's not not much else there besides a closer look at it, and it's coming out uh, next month. Or actually, by the time this is released, it will be November. So yes, sir. it'll be coming out November later on. So we won't have to wait long. 
No. But another right. thing that we're going to have to wait for, and it's getting its own beta, is Battleborn, which is actually, I got to play that at E3, and I liked it a lot. It's made by Gearbox and the same people who did Borderlands. Mm-hmm. And that's getting a beta next year, and that's coming to PlayStation 4 first. The beta is, yes. to clarify. The beta, the beta is. is. Yes. Yeah, okay. not the game. Um, yeah, that's that's an that's an interesting one. I'm not I'm not super hyped myself, but to be honest, I haven't heard much chatter about it. I feel like no. it's kind of flies under the radar. So the a bit. thing is, like when I got s- scheduled to go play it at E3, I was yeah. like, oh okay. And then I got to play it, and I was like, this is really <laughs> awesome. Like I really really liked it. There were some things I had some reservations on that were, like, just kind of part of it was just being I, the multiplayer stuff that was kind of not exactly clarified at the time and i don't know if it ever really was till like now if it still is but Mm. but it was just like in terms of gameplay and stuff it was like it was it felt really really good and it felt like an improved borderlands and it's like i love the borderlands franchise so i think that's going to be a hang up for some people if they didn't get into those games not to say that they're remotely the same in terms of like rpg elements and stuff so are you hyped for the beta then? Is that on your radar? Oh yeah, like I'm really excited to jump into that and see what it's like with other people. Or I want to see how that the kind of matchmaking stuff works or how it goes because there there is a story in Battleborn. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see which route they go with that. If it's just going to be like a story mission that you get to like the same thing that we got to play at E3. Uh-huh. That's going to be really. I think. Easier. I think it'll be a nice for me. It'll be a nice. Um, image boost for Gearbox, and I feel like the Gearbox yeah. thing has been a little tarnished lately with the Colonial Marines business and Randy Pitchford saying some things on Twitter, and it just you know there's, there's just this negative aura around the company right now, at least for for the the people who pay attention to news like that. Yeah. Um. So that I'm yeah I'm looking forward to to Battleborn kind of lifting spirits around the name because I do I do like Gearbox a lot. I think they do great work. So yeah, I'm interested in checking it out, and I think I think a beta. Was a is a good idea to really help promote it and get people to try it out and figure out if they like it or not. And um, I think they'll be, from the sounds of it, you know, given that it's kind of like Borderlands. There's a lot of people who really love the Borderlands series. Yeah. And this has got 25 different playable characters. So I mean, you'll likely yeah. find somebody that you have at least a partial <laughs> attachment to. Gotcha. I will. I will, uh, I will contend that it does have kind of an un, un, an unfortunate name, in my opinion. Yeah, it's really generic. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's partly why I wasn't interested in it. I actually didn't even realize it was a Gearbox game until like after I got signed up for it, and I was looking through my schedule. I was like, "Oh, Gearbox." Yeah. So yeah. it was just kind of, but yeah, it's just like it's so. I'm like really, Battleborn? Really? <laughs> Especially like the premise of the thing is like every type of like archetypal character and any kind of fiction ever thrown into <laughs> thrown into one game world and you're trying to save the universe from being destroyed. So it's like I mean, even even battle types are archaborn. Right. Well they're just... called they're called battleborn. <laughs> like the the individual characters are labeled yeah, battleborn. Yeah. So that's where they get the name from, but it's like you created Born I was like battle. really yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Battle baby, but I mean that's what I'm saying. I think a beta is good because then people will be like, "Oh, this is a this is a game." I don't think a lot of people are aware of it, and they if they are aware of it, maybe they don't know that. Hey, this is kind of same same people who did 
Borderlands, and I really love Borderlands. You know, so, yeah, I like this game. This to me, Battleborn has this kind of evolve feeling with it. Like Evolve yeah, was this game that, that like like it did surprise people at at, at shows at, at at trade shows and stuff where I was like oh Evolve this is sick it's like multiplayer action so he plays the monster so it's got this twist and then it was kind of also a generic name and then it it was hyped but then really fell off the radar right when it came oh, out yeah like that nobody got talked about again or, I'm yeah, worried well Bat- Battleborn has like phenomenally more charm to it. Right off the bat, that's fair. Then no, evolve yeah. does so. I mean, that's gonna it's gonna have that hook to it that evolve just lacked in, in comparison. Yeah. yeah, I would I say so. between the two, evolve feels more generic, it's more sterile, and looks yeah, it just looks kind of nothing really that great. Yeah, so it's it's got a lot of potential, but yeah, I'm I'm waiting. I really want to try the beta and see what they. What kind of impact it has on the greater gaming community, and I, I don't. It is open beta, yeah, that's right. I had to double check, so it will be available for everyone to try out when it comes out. If you have a PS4, so I encourage you to do so. Uh, all right, so then the next one of the other games that got announced is Boundless, which basically just looked like Minecraft 2.0, except we didn't see anything interacting with the environment at all. No, it was very pretty. It, it was. It, it looked reminded really cool, me of yeah. um, it, it there was like portal and there was like no man's sky colors yeah. and there was like that's uh, what I like, thought. I thought like, no man's sky. Building. I thought no man's sky and Minecraft like together, yeah. and then there were just like those big portals that were like you could freely pass through. To it seemed like it's got an interesting idea behind it, but I don't know what that idea is yet. <laughs> so it's like yeah, we didn't I don't see think it. it. I don't think it presented itself. Uh, well enough. It yeah. It just didn't seem all that interesting from based on just first impressions on that trailer. Right, and this is the like this is obviously the announcement. So it's not. There's no notion of actually no. It's coming next year. What am I saying? Interesting. So it's like, enough, that's the it's actually thing. on PC. It's actually an early access at the moment. Um, yeah, through so its, it's, its official site. Um, but so yeah, strange. it's it's a. I mean, I'm gonna yeah keep an eye on it for sure because it's like an MMO and procedurally generated on top of it. Like it's a it's got a cool conceit, but it is kind of coming out of nowhere. It's a, I don't see it taking off in a in a way where we'll be talking about it very much. Yeah, I come know. At least time. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. So another game that's coming from a well-known studio for P- hardcore PS4 fans or early adopters anyway is Matterfall, which was developed by Housemark, which made Resogun. Yes. So, I... The trailer looked cool. It wasn't super amazing to me. Like, that was just, like, it had some cool things. I liked the music that was playing. I liked the action that kind of happened, but then it just kind of... There was nothing... There was no explanation, but maybe that was intentional as to what's going on. Yeah, and I mean... Yeah, the, very vox- much the, vo- the voxels are cool. The aesthetic was kind of cool. I got kind of a vanquish. Yeah. Like, time. Do you remember? Was it time shift? I, time I, shift. Yeah. <laughs> time shift. That's, yeah. That the helmet. Yep. Reminds the helmet. You the armor. It made yeah. me think of time shift. Oh my goodness. Um, that's, that's a blast from the past, isn't it? You didn't expect <laughs> to hear about that. That is today. a that is a game that sits at, for like 
two dollars. Yeah, I, think, I played through. Stuff. I used to own that, and I beat that <laughs> long time ago. Um, it's the trailer was very much a sort of teaser, you know. Yeah, um, it didn't really give us an idea of exactly. It didn't how give you any kind of world play. depth. Either. Yeah, or like how the gameplay is necessarily gonna play out. Yeah, it was all CG anyway too. Yeah, CG so cinematic. Like, yep. But it, yeah, it was cool. I was. I don't have much else to say about it right now. Yeah. yeah. So, we'll, It'll be interesting to see if it breaks away from the uh, from what House Mark is is really good at, and it's been doing nothing but, which is twin stick shooters and like high score chasing kind of arcade style games. So. I, I, to be honest, I would kind of like Matterfall to move away from that a little bit because I'd like to see them stretch their wings a bit and see what other uh, kind of genres and hooks that they're capable of. Yeah, I wonder, just looking at the trailer, if it's going to be kind of uh, like a Metroid-like platformer, maybe? Yeah, I'm get, I get like... I could see that. I, yeah, huh. you got like the voxels of Resogun with maybe a maybe over-the-shoulder shooter or over-the-shoulder that, platformer. That's possible too, yeah. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye out on that one for sure. Or I'm going to at least. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see because those guys do great work. So it's really exciting to see what they come up with next. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next game on our list is Shadow of the Beast. So that, that... we want to talk about Blast from the Past. We were just talking about this before the show, like that. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that debuted at, at Gamescom in 2013. I don't know, but it's yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It, it was that really. Is, I remember it was a really cryptic right. trailer with like a desert, and like it was the main character with his claws, and it was like yeah, just kind of like what is this? There's like monsters. There's like shit coming out of the sand, and then it dropped off the face of the earth, and this is like the second time we've yeah, seen like, it. I don't What's remember that at all. So it's like <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I looked it up. It is. Uh, yeah, it did show it. Gamescom 2013. Okay. The, trailer just... looks, the trailer looks sick, this new one. Um, like, I'm getting God of War vibes. I'm getting, like, the the aesthetic looks really cool, for instance. Like, at first on the bat, I'm like, this kind of feels a little bit like Halo Covenant hmm. in, in terms of the enemies you're seeing and kind of the glowing, glowing sci-fi uh, masks and clothing set against these kind of darker environments, these organic environments. Then the guy comes out, sticks his claws in the earth, and a, th- a thousand other claws come up. So yeah, if this is, uh, but we don't know much else. I guess right. that's the thing that tempers my excitement. But it it looks really cool. Yeah, it'll be fun to get hands on it and to be able to play it just to see what it kind of what it takes in, inspiration from at least. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Well, another quick announcement that they had they, they casually dropped on stage was uh, No Man's Sky got a release window finally. It's coming yeah. out in June 2016. At least that's what they say. That seems that's reasonable to me. Um, it should be. I mean, the amount of time that they've been right. I mean, yeah. from when they announced it and like first showed it off to that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, which which you know we always kind of thought that when we first saw it, it was in a very early like conceptual not not conceptual but because it, it, they had gameplay there but it was definitely like we have a seed of an idea and we have mm-hmm. enough to show you and prove to you that it actually exists but um yeah i guess in terms of like last time i saw that game before paris games week was on the colbert uh sorry i almost said the colbert report uh the late <laughs> yeah. show with Stephen colbert right um and it looked good there but it didn't look um very different or very far past when i saw it at e3 like it it still definitely had texture pop in 
at the same you know rate like when you move through the world and it's procedurally generating things like it just has to load things as you're going and like it seemed like that part seemed identical to what we saw uh, five months ago or six months ago right. um Word on so the yeah is, so that's uh, that they're still they're still optimizing I think a lot of the game um, and I I think it was rumored that they were trying to hit for this year but they just are allowing for more time and I honestly think with how crowded this holiday season is uh, summer's a good good time I agree yeah, for yeah, a new, new a IP like that yeah for sure alright well and one of the other games that got announced was Vector which is a rhythm game that's being developed along with Avicii the DJ and I the trailer from the music in the trailer and the soundtrack yeah it sounded like I really liked the music the soundtrack for the trailer at least that was going on but I didn't really see how it really was a he, like, he was explaining it as like an ex- basically like experiencing being in front of a crowd playing live music, but it's like I did not get that at all. <laughs> I didn't even really see how it was a rhythm game apart from having music playing. Man, Avicii looks so, like he's like fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I didn't get it either. Will you know you were yeah. telling me about? It, and I checked out the trailer, and I'm like, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see the the. the what, but that's okay. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's different enough that it kind of kind of changes your your preconception of a rhythm game. But yeah, right. I definitely didn't see any of the hallmarks that we associate like with with notes or like things coming in a certain cadence. Uh, none of that. Right, but I mean, like, if it turns out to be, or I mean, if it turns out to actually be a halfway decent rhythm game itself, I'll still probably play the hell out of it just because I like Avicii's music and to have mm-hmm. a game that has his soundtrack on there is like well that's a selling point to me yeah. I wonder if it's going to be more like uh, Res or Child of Eden where it's not the traditional tap along with the notes but just kind of like every time you hit something or it, shoot yeah. something or land on something it, it mm-hmm. plays that certain like sound yeah because there was just a like a 3D like a 3D on rail sound shapes yeah. yeah there was a thing that had a were one of the four tracks when they had them all combined on the display there mm. was one that had like it was keeping in tune with the music that was playing over it I don't know if the other ones were or not but it was running over these kind of circles that were on the track in front of it and every time it hit it it, hit, it matched with the beat yeah, the song. yeah. Oh, so it was, yeah. and there's multiplayer um, with it as well so there's got to be some kind of way to score things yeah. well, that'd be cool if it's like kind of basically like like rock band for electronica music with the multiplayer where like each person isn't dependent like each ship uh plays a certain part of the song yeah with independent scoring yeah i think that'd be kind of cool yeah um it'd be perfect for vita but we'll see uh the next thing was another is a dlc announcement which kind of just mentioning it just to mention it, it was bloodborne the old hunters they had a trailer they didn't really sh- nothing really new for it I guess but the I mean the creature at the end was pretty screwed up <laughs> it was pretty cool but <laughs> there wasn't anything I think there was a new weapon I haven't I I haven't finished Bloodborne obviously I think I said that before maybe I didn't but I'm playing through it again and that one's it's got a in the trailer it had this kind of buzzsaw almost like weapon 
So I'm assuming that's new because they kind of showed that off for a little while. But yeah, there's definitely there definitely wasn't um, like a rotating saw, like you said, something that seemed to have like power behind it or yeah. Uh... So clearly, new weapons being introduced, new enemies and bosses. So good stuff. Good. It sounds it's a, yeah, it sounds a little supernatural, like like people who. Uh, you know, I won't. I won't go dive into too much depth there. But, but, but as as Bloodborne proceeds, it's the enemies you face and the environments start to get a, a, a. They move a little away from the gothic setting of the early levels towards something a little more. I, I don't know how you would say like dreamy or supernatural, just a little kind of out there, like Cthulhu type type stuff. And yeah. from what I've read of the old hunters, it seems to kind of explore that environment a little more, and maybe maybe explore how these kind of threats and creatures first started appearing in Yarnum because there's there's really interesting lore and history there. I really loved kind of the way hardcore fans piece those things together with in-game clues and more power to them because I was totally lost <laughs> after finishing the game and then I went back and and you know read some of the lore and I'm like, "Oh, wow, that's really interesting." So, uh yeah, but there are there are unanswered questions, so it seems like they are on the right track for choosing a, a time period to explore or a setting to explore. Mm. All right. So then the next thing is actually something that Kyle already saw before Paris Games Week even happened, which is uh, <laughs> new, new footage for Horizon Zero Dawn, which was the same footage that was shown behind closed doors at E3, and Kyle got to see that. So yeah. basically it was a more detailed version of what they showed at E3 mm-hmm. back earlier this year. So And I think yeah. that's... yeah. And that's that's where a lot of the positivity about the game came from, like the preview I wrote and what a lot of other people said as E3 was kind of closing, is that the game the game is a lot further along than I think people assumed when they first showed the E3 trailer. Mm-hmm. We I mean we don't know a release window yet or anything like that, but 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 there that that section of the game, that slice of the game, was finished enough that they could pause the game, go into the developer camera zoom around through the world and like move around that um I, I, the name escapes me right now but the dinosaur thunder right thunderjaw thunderjaw yes thank you thunderjaw move around thunderjaw and like kind of point to all these different parts of him these plates these these pieces the individual things that you can knock off that have mm-hmm. their own health bars and like the concept was so well realized and so well thought out with no uncertainties and just pure passion as they were describing and I'm like you've had this doing for a long time. That was the mm-hmm. sense I got, and the demo proves it, and it looks phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So then they they were even, they were hiding a lot of stuff too. And they, <clears throat> when they when they were speaking on the footage that was shown, they had a, the senior producer talking over some of the segments and cutting back to him. But he was basically pointing out that they had like half of the stuff that would normally be on screen hidden from you. So they have a lot of content that's there, that's just like not. They just don't want to show you. Not that it's not ready, but they just don't want you to know about it. So <laughs> Which like, is just more, you know, more <laughs> yeah. evidence of how how well the game's coming along. I think there's a good chance we could see that, um, like next Christmas or next uh, next fall yeah. season, the big November. I was going to say, there's I think... already too many games next year. We don't need that. Yeah, money. but in like the November, <laughs> for, yeah, for the for, we don't have like the holiday slate really figured out. So I think right. it'd be a good one, and you know, you don't want too much time between. When you announce a game and then when it releases, otherwise people kind of lose interest or, you know, the, <laughs> Kingdom the internet gets <laughs> pessimistic. So <laughs> I think the less the, the less the better. Yeah, like fall. I yeah, love I mean, look at, yeah exactly. Fallout, Fallout, Fallout 4. Four, crazy. Yeah, um, we could also look at how 
uh, consoles, the most recent consoles were announced versus, you know, the previous generation where there was what, like over, over a year between the announcement date and the release. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it was within, within less than a year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a a game that's coming long after its predecessor that just well it was announced before but they actually showed a trailer for it, it was Gravity Rush 2 so yes I was it looked I mean they didn't show a lot in the trailer it was pretty short but it was Gravity Rush I mean that's exactly what people so wanted much, yeah except so much prettier yep. with way more gameplay yeah they showed abilities. some new mechanics that were different modes that you could use in battle that were this named after uh, planets Right, like Jupiter yeah. ability. So and they stuff. have like yeah, either it's just kind of like low gravity or like you have you increase your weight a lot, so you do more damage when you land and co-op battles now that you Is can it? have. I or, it was... It's a- AI cooperative. Yeah, I, I was say. gonna say. Yeah, let me yeah clarify that. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that you get, like you guys kind of have this perspective about um how much seemed different, and I'll and I'll I'll be fully you know I'll be. Frank and say that I didn't play Gravity Rush on Vita, but I, you know, I followed it pretty closely since it was a launch title. And looking at Gravity Rush Two, it does it does it feel really samey to you guys? Like it the looks city the looks identical visually. It doesn't look like a huge step up. Like you no, said, I mean, like as soon as it. I saw it, I remembered what it was like to play the original Gravity Rush because it's so it it's so different from any other game really when you start to try to play it just with like sure. the camera and like the floatiness and trying to readjust to aim at an enemy and then execute the button to launch towards them and hit them and as soon as the trailer started I just had like major flashbacks to playing the game that I like oh. had not thought about so it's definitely it's definitely more it's more gravity rush is what it is which is what people wanted because mainly I was just That's upset fair. because the story ended and I was like there is so much here that you did not cover that I'm just kind of upset at you and that was yeah it was kind of it was kind of yeah. short too wasn't it it was a it was a shorter game and yeah. I, I'm just hoping with the some of the new modes and you know I'm sure there's other gameplay elements just to help uh, mix it up because that's a, a problem I had with the first Gravity Rush is it felt it, it could get very repetitive, get very repetitive, very redundant, yeah. uh, really quickly. So yeah, that's what I'm hoping with the new uh, kind of battle modes or different aspects of fighting will help kind of balance it out. But then as soon as he, as soon as she started kind of diving towards the main like boss enemy, I was just like, oh, that again. <laughs> it's just like that there was there was like so much of it. Rushing in. Yeah, where you just keep trying to hit and you keep missing just by a little bit, so you have to get back up in the sky, awkwardly readjust your positioning, and then aim, and then fire again. And then you miss by again, a little bit again. And you have to read. <laughs> like this is a lot of yeah. You know, there's a lot of repetition, but the world is really cool. I really like the world. Like the world is world. cool. The music's great. I like the art style. Yeah, I like the characters. Um, They're really cool. I like. I liked. I liked everything about the game, except the gameplay was just kind of <laughs> wonky at times. Right. So right. It was just, I think it was a new idea that they were trying to do, and they were still. They. I don't think they quite got to the polish point that they were trying to get to. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming helps. the sequel is going to had enough time to really get to that point, hopefully. Yeah, I think it'll help that a lot of people haven't played Gravity Rush 1. And so, <laughs> I think it'll help the game because nobody like, played the first one. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's kind of true, though. You know, you pull yeah. somebody off the street and you're like, right? hey, have you played Gravity Rush? And they'll be like, 
What's that? Maybe this is Sony's iPhone? grand scheme to reinvigorate the Vita by having a two after Gravity Rush instead of saying just a new different Gravity Rush title. So it'll encourage maybe people they, to play the first one because this game will be so gravity. amazing. Everybody will rush out and buy it. But the they're Vita. remastering the first one. So there's no need now. Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what it is, is Thwarted. Uh, Gravity Rush 3 is going to be the Vita. Exclusive. <laughs> Vita Morpheus combo exclusive. <laughs> what the hell? No, I'll, I'll play Gravity Rush too because it's just a little more accessible to me. Like I didn't, I didn't oh, buy Gravity sure. Rush at the time because I was, you know, being selective with the games. I, I was. Playing. I bought it at the time because it was the only thing there. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but it was. Well, yeah, now you I really your... liked it. Yeah. No. So, for sure. Uh, another game, which. I don't even know how you introduced this. It was kind of awkwardly received uh, two years ago, I believe, at E3, which is Dreams. It had a lot of cool mechanics. People got thought it was a really cool idea, and then the demo ended, and everybody's like, what did I just see? So they showed us a little more about it and got a better idea for it, and it looked more like a game this time, I would say. It looked more like a little big planet evolution kind of thing. It looked more like a game, and the way they explained it was more like a game. They weren't being really abstract, saying, you know, I think it was the E3 presentation where they're like, oh, you know, dreams can be anything. Yeah. And now they're like, no, your dreams are levels. Yeah. You know, you are making a level, and you are sharing it with people. Yeah. So they they kind of redefine it. They. we're more... I don't know, not, not necessarily <laughs> redefined it, but they refined their definition of it and just kind of. It was more concrete, it. and it was yeah. just something that. There you... were no dancing puppets and stuff this time with the move controllers. That... Yeah, and uh, it, it helped, you know, that they were showing yeah. it being played on the PS4, and this is how you're going to mm-hmm. be going through that game. Yeah, that's what was um, interesting is that they didn't have the move controllers at all involved, and that was such a main staple of their first showing of it. I thought that was just an interesting choice, but. Yeah. Do you guys think it's gonna sell well? No. No. <laughs> I still think I still uh, hold my initial viewpoint of it after seeing it the first time is that it would do really, really well from the first showing, and I think it's still kind of there if they still have a lot of the elements from the first one that it would do really well in like an arts program in colleges as a creative tool to developing oh, sure. movies yeah. or arch- like just building things or creating and. It would yeah. just, it would do really well in that atmosphere, but then you have to have those places funded with PlayStation Fours, which is just not going to happen. So it's right. But it, yeah, it, it was still a great. It's a great tool for that kind of thing. But here's the thing: the two cool. things that that worry me about it, and in and only in the sense that, like, I'm sure it's going to be a good game and a well-made game, and and because Media Molecule is just really talented. But the two things that that worry me is one, it's it's weirder than Little Big Planet, like just in terms of its its concept and its visuals, yeah. like it's more esoteric. But then, two, it's even more focused on creation than Little Big Planet was, which is further narrowing down the field of people who would even have a desire to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so, yeah. it's, it's still, but I think in the same right, it expands its audience in, in terms of age and for interest. And, like, kind of even just like what they showed on stage is like that would appeal a lot more. For somebody like, especially for a three-dimensional world where you're fully like actually exploring a world instead of going on side-scrolling, you think that would extend it? Well, like I like I could imagine I could imagine playing that for like my 
young niece or my mom or like other people in my family that oh, would sure. be more interested yeah. in that than watching somebody play Little Big Planet. That's fair. Yeah. Like I feel true. like that, that that allows for a lot more of an audience, whether it's actually playing it or observing. I that think might be a good way to market it actually to families. Like it's a storybook. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a live I, action. I it's collaborative. It's an interactive storybook. Is how I saw it from the trailer. Like that's what I. I think it'll be a decent family game, and yeah. even with that focus on creation, I think if the tools are there and they are intuitive and easy to learn and pick up and mm-hmm. start making the levels, then people will get really into that, and they'll also enjoy playing other people's levels. I I mean, that's something that people were concerned about with Mario Maker was so a lot a lot of you know gamers were saying oh you know but i don't want to create levels and i don't think that would be fun and how wrong but then they, were they, they made they <laughs> yeah exactly and how wrong were they and the the way that the interface worked and just being able to mess around and play your friends levels and all that um mm-hmm. that game has really taken off uh more than a lot of people expected yeah well it's also got the timelessness of mario it, <laughs> it does it helps, so it's yeah the, it'll be the, interesting yeah but i don't i don't imagine dreams is going to do very well and i think it's going to force media molecule just kind of rein in the creativity a little bit and which is a shame else. yeah I really, it's like, I really like their their stuff yeah it's just it's a it'd be better as an accent than as a, it, it has no place i don't see really yet at least they might be ahead of their time in terms of what they're doing but i don't know we'll see but a different game that actually was announced a long time ago, or a couple of years ago anyway, that kind of fell off for a long time was Wild, which came back and had a lengthy demo on screen. It looks totally different than the original concepts from what I remember seeing it. Um, but it's in, in terms of dis, uh, character design and stuff, but it takes place in the wild, as you would guess. And it's basically just i don't even know what time era it would be if it is its own independent era or if it's just basically like mm. i'm trying to even yeah. think about like it's like if it's tribal just kind of well you play as a, a shaman according to the video who has the ability to uh possess animals basically take them over and use them under his control like he showed him controlling the eagle and highlighting snakes on the ground and then diving and catching them bringing them back to him uh he was riding a bear which is pretty neat (laughs) and (laughs) they he was controlling a rabbit for another thing and they showed it was interesting it was like okay this isn't cool they're showing a they're showing him running around with animals. That's great, but where's the game? And then they showed this cannibal tribe, which I was like, oh, that steps it up a notch here. <laughs> now it's real. Then, now it's very yeah, real. Yeah, so then it showed the interplay of using the different animals to coordinate distractions and to attack them, where, like, he uh, had a flock of crows come flying down and, like, kind of start swarming them, and they all got distracted, and then he came riding into the bear and started just, like, swatting them away. And then they cut away from most of the action there. They just didn't want to show you that for whatever reason, whether it wasn't fully, it wasn't polished enough, or they just didn't want to show you some of the cool stuff. But anyway, they went on. And then he took the snake to this platform and then summoned this gigantic snake lady, who apparently (laughs) is a, I think he called it a a divine. But it's like like a goddess of the world. 
mm-hmm. basically. And then you had to do like you have to do missions or something. They'll give you missions to do specific things to prove that you're worthy of whatever animal it is that they're channeling or they're representing. So I think that's a really interesting. Pre- like when it got to that point, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool to me. Like this is up right up my alley. Yeah, another thing that I liked, uh, and I was reading the um, the PlayStation blog preview of it uh it, it it mentioned that the game follows the sh- the the shaman's journey from when he's young and they don't specify whether he's a he's a uh, kid at the beginning or maybe just a young shaman but well, he had a it follows beard his journey in the from... trailer so <laughs> yeah yeah so but, but, but it does follow his journey from when he's young to you know gaining his powers and, and communing with with new spirits and new animals and then each new relationship is a is represented by a tattoo on his body, and and it seems like mm-hmm. it's going to have some multiplayer components, like Bloodborne, where you invade other people's worlds or you join them, and then the tattoos are kind of a marking of your progress in the game. So uh, it seems a little highbrow, I guess, when you say it like that. But it could yeah. just be a more open world, tribally Bloodborne type of game, which is fine. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. It's like the con- convening with deities also just kind of, I mean, it made me think of God of War immediately. I mean, sure. in that, in that oh, sense, not that yeah. it played at all like God of War from what we saw, but but it, there wasn't, there were cool things about it, but there wasn't anything that was like, I can't wait for this game, or this looks amazing. It was just kind of like, well, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it was... Yeah. So I don't know. It was, it didn't look very polished yet to me either. Just from what it still it looks kind of rough. Yeah, it's it's early, I mean, and you also have to wonder if it's. I wonder if they tone down the scale of how realistic they want their graphics. They might be just shooting for this halfway. Yeah, I don't know. Look, it depends on know. what they're doing. Like style. But, but in comparison to other games that are out right now, it's just it's not at that same fidelity. That's present so I, it'll be yeah it's interesting to know what they're if that was their choice if that means that they're still kind of working on it and they're not there yet or what's going on but i don't know interesting choice but uh another one of the other big announcements that they had that actually i'm so much behind it's ridiculous is detroit become human which originally was just a tech demo of showing this and this uh not 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 Android, uh, Cyborg. Yeah. Is it? No, Android. Android. No, Android. Yeah, right. Android. Yeah. Cy- I get. I get confused because the damn Dragon Ball Z calls them androids when they're not androids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyway, there's so this the Android. Won- yeah, yeah. Kara tech demo from Quantic Dreams, and yep. this yep. just. The, but at first, when it kind of started, I was like, oh, so this is like I Am Legend, or, or not I Am Legend, the other Will Smith movie, uh, I Robot. I Robot. The yeah. other I. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I that's what I initially thought, and then it, like it started pulling away from that. The more I watched it, and I was like, this is a, clearly its own thing. And I was like, I'm actually really interested in that story. We didn't see anything about the game apart from a CG trailer. Yeah, so we, we, we don't yeah, know I what the gameplay is. So gonna be it like, could be another but... Beyond Two Souls thing where it looked cool, and then everybody <laughs> played it, and nobody talked about it again. I mean, and, it's a David Cage game. It's going to have just basic navigation and quick time events. I think it really just comes down to how the story is told and the characters. Yeah, and I think you know, um, that leaves me that leaves me kind of in two camps here, or two boats, because I well, two, what, pick your metaphor, two of whatever, <laughs> two buckets. Two buckets. Um, can't be in a boat. Because cause there's, there's conflicting things. I, I, I love that they took the car tech demo and ran with that, because I think that 
maybe most people kind of assumed that was over like it's long enough ago that that could have just been a tech demo and we never saw it again so to go back to that when everyone was so impressed by it and so positive about it is really really cool but the trailer it, it struck me the wrong way I think the dialogue brought up some campy sci-fi cliches that really hmm. I guess I expect more of from David Cage and Quantic Dream specifically well maybe I don't expect more of them because Beyond Two Souls was kind of a this highbrow philosophical thing that never really made sense and yeah I mean there's just, there was just a lot of talk in the trailer about you know what does it mean to be human what is it am I becoming human and we've just <laughs> I've heard that so many places before that's been such a well theme, i think so. that that works really well for me just because i was coming still kind of coming off of the talus principle which is actually it's like solely focused on that concept in a lot of ways true yeah where you're playing as an android and dealing with battling with that in a deeper way so it was just kind of more to me that was like a summation like simple summations of that whole concept that like it, it i mean it, that worked for me i didn't notice it as much just because that was partly what i was mm still kind of coming off of or away from from that game but yeah i mean, and it, i just i was more focused i was more focused on the body language and the interactions that were like the little cues like that's that's one thing to say is a testament to what they're doing it just as a cg trailer the the animations of the face and all the different things that they can do now is just ridiculous it was in it, so that's was that was my engine, focus. Though, right right it was an yeah, engine it, on it was an engine, yeah. yeah so that was my, my i was more focused on that than the dialogue so i probably okay. missed a number of cheesy yeah. lines but it was yeah my concern is whether or not david cage will have the you know quality and concise enough writing to really explore the questions that are always you know that he raises and um you know whether or not he'll also have the maturity to make this a really good story mm-hmm. with don't you kind of feel like there's going to be like an awkward sex scene? Like, <sighs> kind of a, yeah, like, it's just like it's hanging <laughs> and over. And like, it's just, like Kara's gonna meet someone. There's gonna be this. There's gonna be creepers. it's gonna be creepers. There's gonna, gonna be creepers. Not the Minecraft ones. Like, there's gonna be like cyberpunk Detroit <sighs> guys hanging out in the shadows. Like, hey, yeah, there's gonna be guys trying pretty. to rape her, and then they just hurt their crotch, and she's like, "Ha, fuck you!" Punches them in the face. Runs away. Yeah, and I don't know. You can only hope. Yeah. I wonder if uh, I'm just. I don't want there to be some hocus pocus magic at the end. I could just. I can see it just getting kind of wacky, like Fahrenheit level. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> she's a human now. So. Wait, did you just say Pen- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like that's well, how. Like, I don't think that. Movie, what is the, that's I'm how the movie of... AI like kind of. Yes, I was just thinking of AI. Yes, it's just like that movie yeah. had such a great start, a cool world, and then that ending third was just what. Does he become human? Is that is that how that goes? Like, does he? Or does he just think he? I think it's. I thought he was just that he thinks he is, or. The whole point, of course, is that we've 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 seen the story before. So, Quantic Dream's got to do something different, something interesting with it. Um, yeah, but I think it's just in, part it's of in the futuristic Detroit, though, so that's different. Kind of like kind of like Deus Ex, kind of like RoboCop. Maybe it's a crossover. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be Adam be Jensen sick. hooks Adam, up yeah, with Adam Kara. <laughs> Same universe. You see yeah. Adam Jensen like kind of in the background. Oh my god, <laughs> that'd be great. No, I think, but I think even if it tells a similar story, I hope it uses some of the interactivity and uh, ability 
to make choices in a in a cool way to help you know make it mm-hmm. feel fresher because it's yeah. it is a tried and true sort of. It'd be you nice know, if it becomes more of a robot. game versus like an yeah. interactive story that they've been doing, like where it's really restricted in like your movement and all that stuff. But it'd be nice if it actually became. I, I mean, I did actually didn't even get to play it, but I the um, oh god, remember me? That's what I'm trying to think of. Mm. Oh sure. So I mean, like where it's more of just kind of like you're running around exploring an area, moving, but it's like that kind of dystopian. Setting would be interesting to see, maybe not like super actiony, but I, f- I fully admit that like my 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 I mean I am I'm excited to play it because I do like that's the that's the, the the two worlds here is that I love that they took the car tech demo and they're running with it, but I just think I have a negative taste in my mouth from Beyond Two Souls as far as Quantum Dreams concerned. I know yeah. they're talented, but like, I'm, just, I'm there with you. See, I didn't I just play like, it, so I'm completely free of that. <laughs> Heavy Rain, yeah. I liked a lot. I really yeah. liked it. Oh yeah, Beyond love, Two Souls. Love. Oh man, that thing was to me just a mess. And just... That was a, that was a difficult beast. I that can't was... imagine that a studio of that degree wouldn't learn from their mistake though, or their mistakes <sighs> in that. I don't game, know so... that David Cage ego. <laughs> Never underestimate it. Never underestimate. (laughs) Well, it's another studio that, well, a a different studio that has proved that they don't have nearly as much of an ego, I guess you could say, is Naughty Dog. And they keep continuing to deliver what their fans want to see, especially with their latest reveal of the Uncharted 4 multiplayer. That trailer was so awesome. That was the Oh, that was the only thing in that entire show where my mouth was literally like open for. That was fan service on so many different levels. <sighs> Not o- like like you so talk- well directed. Like, yeah, yeah, you want to talk characters? It oh, yeah, it was it was Birdman. The, the dialogue game. was what made it for me. <laughs> Just like the random quips between the as they're running the players as they're running past each other. Like that if that's in the full multiplayer, like oh my god. I think it will be to some extent. I think otherwise they wouldn't. Ha- I think I I do think it was intentional that right. they had that clearly. Much yeah, maybe it won't be that frequent, but I do think you're going to hear some characters say like clever things, and that'll be cool too because it'll have to be a little bit um, not procedurally generated, but contextual. Where it's like if you have Elena and Eddie Raja on the same yeah. team, like they will say something to each other that is like unique to their mm-hmm. relationship and unique to their um, conflicts. I hope so. That that seems yeah. really. Cool. I hope. I hope. The only character that doesn't have that and just yells at people like the same thing as Lazarevich because I can't wait to play as him and just have him rant at he people. Just, he, ah! just, he just yells extended <laughs> versions of people's names. Drake! Yeah. God! <laughs> he just gives uh, up. Yeah, yeah it's a big show. That was awesome seeing the characters, but that, like, the fan service was on so many levels. The characters, like, getting to see at least the back half of Cutter and Chloe was awesome. We know they're in the game, at least in some form. Mm-hmm. Um, the gameplay was super fan service um, It looks, It looks more mobile. Who was, than... the, was the person, before we get too far into this, the characters that yeah. were shown at the beginning of the trailer, so they sh- I mean, they showed there was Drake, Drake and his brother, yeah. and then there was Lazarevich, and then Chloe and Cutter, but then there was another... So from that angle, when like Chloe and Cutter were up kind of higher on the right... To the left, there was a woman with blonde hair pulled back and like an av- like a. It did look coat. somewhat like Marlo. I think I know where you're. That was as I I I could not figure out who that was. If I was gonna, yeah, I, I did notice that woman, and again, we never see any of their faces, but I felt like it was Marlo because right. it looked a lot like she had di- she had like two lines of dialogue, and they showed the camera on her twice, and then she died, and then it moved on. 
<laughs> so I was like, <laughs> sounds like Marlowe in yeah, Perception. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> right. So I was just kind of like, I, that was the only thing that was bothering me in the demos. I couldn't place who that was. So here's the things. I mean, like all three, like the, to me, it's the three pillars. The three pillars of fan service are the same three things that I can't wait for. The characters, the more mobile faster kind of acrobatic gameplay there's a lot more of that kind of sliding down rooftops and environmental moments and then the third one would be the mysticals the superpowers that looks awesome and yeah, it's such, that was and it's totally a, a surprise of, yeah it's such a yeah. thing of fan service in just the way it's culminating the entire series you know like this is like the last hurrah uncharted 4 so let's take not only all the characters from the past games but like the el dorado statue the teleportation from the, the the demons at the end of Uncharted Three, or you know the dream sequences, mm-hmm. like all these kind of things, all these nods and these throwbacks to uh, nostalgic moments. It, oh, it looks like so much fun. Yeah, and it's fast too. That's the thing that I noted. Like that was really cool. It was really fluid and it was very fast. Like they had new mechanics for moving around, or like they had kind of like grappling hooks to swing, and all that kind of stuff. And it was. It just looks like they. It looks like they just had so much fun making this. Like I, I can't imagine. So. That, I I bet this is like half the developers. Like every day they get a few rounds of their multiplayer in <laughs> at Naughty Dog before they start doing their real work. Yeah, <laughs> just man, it's so smooth. Yeah. And it it couldn't be coming at a better time too because I remember I went I went really hard on Uncharted Three multiplayer, especially the beta. I freaking loved the beta. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the final game as well. But there's something about the beta that was like really, really special to me for some reason. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, you had everybody trying to get as much time as they could in on it before it went away. They were, so. and, and I feel like it. <laughs> yeah, there was something about the the way the the speed of the game and the specific way you controlled with aiming and stuff. The beta was awesome, but the final game was great too. I played a ton of Uncharted Three multiplayer, and yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I guess I was surprised at anyone being such a single player guy, such a story loving guy, that I did end up gravitating toward multiplayer so strongly and I'm glad you know I I was kind of not afraid but like when we first got the Uncharted 4 teaser with Drake washing up on the beach and you know that very first trailer right where he just kind of trots off into the forest Mm -hmm. you almost like forget that multiplayer is a thing and part of me was was maybe I was like oh you know they're putting so much work into making this game look just phenomenal and it's the final single-player entry. Are they going to let multiplayer slack a little bit? Like, is it going to be less of a focus? But that doesn't seem to be the case at all. Yeah. Well, I'd say that, <clears throat> at least for me, that was the highlight of the entire show. So, I'm, I'm kind of with um, you there, honestly. Was, I, th- I can't wait. Yeah, so that's really awesome. But before we do our wrap-ups, that's everything that we were going to cover from Paris Games Week. Big list. Before, yeah. we go, before we go on to our November games list to tell you what's coming out this week, we're going to go back to one of our initial questions that we kind of forgot to talk about, just to wrap up quick, which is about if what we saw at Paris Games Week, or during Paris Games Week, convinces us of, or at least gets us leaning towards being willing to pay the predicted at least reserved $500 for PlayStation VR, but likely our guesstimates between 250 to 350 Hopeful. 
That's so maybe we can. So maybe for the purposes of the question, you want to just assume three hundred, then kind of strike the middle. Ground. Sure. Would we be willing to pay three hundred dollars for PlayStation VR, given what we saw at Paris Games Week? No. No. <laughs> uh, but that's, 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 that's kind of. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I agree with that statement. But, but the thing is, you know, okay, definitely not if you just look at what. <laughs> Uh, but definitely not if you just if you're just looking at what was at the the the, the keynote. I mean, because you know there were only maybe six or seven experiences. But even with those, and then if you count the things that you know I've seen demos at trade shows, it's just these kind of simple experiences. And you've got to assume there's a there's a few other really kind of big ones waiting behind the scenes that we don't know about yet. But man, those few that we don't know about yet are going to have to be pretty damn compelling to get me to buy one at launch. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's just the way it is because yeah, as great as it as great you know as fun as it is to kind of talk about oh yeah it would be really cool to see what Supermassive does with Until Dawn Rush of Blood. It's like not going to buy a headset for that. Just not going to. Yeah. <laughs> like is is buying the VR headset is it going to give me a really unique experience that's going to get me you know addicted to playing it a bunch like Metal Gear Solid 5 most recently did or have a really just moving compelling story um and I just right now I just don't see that yet yeah. here's the thing about it too and they and they don't they haven't talked much about what its applications will be beyond games but I could see um, right off the bat, day one, you can use PlayStation VR. From the moment the system turns on, the headset connects and syncs with it, and you could maybe be navigating the menus in VR, You know, getting into your games. Uh, whether they work or not, that's a different thing entirely. But there's this feature that was tossed around for Oculus a while back, and I can't remember if it was ever confirmed or actually was a real thing that people were using, but there was this idea of having the VR headset be your own personal theater. So that's what they can do right. in a VR space is, is simulate the feeling of you sitting in your own megaplex by yourself. Yeah. To be honest, that excites me more than any game they've shown. Yeah, like those, those side functions that kind of change the way we play, but we're still playing in traditional ways. Like Maybe that's because it's a half step and, it's, and I don't have to... Be fully <laughs> on board with VR yet? I can be like, oh, this this safe thing is is better. But right. that, like that's but it would make it it would make the PS4 a nice system to bring on trips. Or yeah. Yeah. if you're and if you're a student was... who doesn't have a lot of space in the dorms and just want a mm -hmm. huge screen, then and that was actually go. kind of what I was going to say before. You kind of led right into this perfectly with that statement. But I was going to say was that if they did something to since there aren't going to be games at the beginning, obviously because they're still kind of working on some hopefully bigger titles that will convince people for early adopters or any they should have a package deal where you get kind of credit for maybe like some of the movies that are on PlayStation store you get you can get five movies or well, something or you cool. get a, so yeah. you have like this you have sweet. something that's with you that doesn't cost them anything in re all reality and it would give people more of a reason to pick it up and test it out that's mm -hmm. smart. That's really smart. They should definitely package in some. Yeah, because you're yeah, right. It's so like, it's such a throwaway thing to them to like include like even five if, movies or something. Yeah, hell, oh, ten yeah. movies. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just throw it in there, and hell, you can even pick them. You know, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And we'll and we'll front the cost to the studios, to the to Paramount, whatever else. Yeah, it's. I I think it's going to be the side functions that will be the final sell for me because I I'm not mm -hmm. convinced that any of the launch titles. Well, they're definitely not going to be killer apps. You know, they're not going to be. <laughs> 
killer apps the way we use that word about traditional games because I mean mean, you can argue depending on your genre preferences you can argue that PS4 doesn't have the killer app you know like the Bioshock or the the Red Dead Redemption it's the sum of its library (laughs) right now Um, so yeah I definitely don't think we're gonna we're gonna see that on PlayStation VR so at least not in the first a uh, few months, so for me, I'm going to be paying really close attention to what else it can do. Right. And I remember there being talks, gonna... on the, at least for other, I don't know if it was targeted with PlayStation VR in the past, but I think there were talks for like Oculus to be able to use it to even like, if you wanted to get a hotel room somewhere and you'd be able to put it on, you can actually look around in your hotel room right. in different yeah, places. they're definitely working on those kind of functions. So it's like, yeah, right. that, all that all that stuff that I can't imagine by at the end of the day would be that expensive to basically price them as normal apps on phones or a little like more expensive than that because they're so specialized but and yeah. Sony has a chance here to get some ground on Oculus by coming out at a lower price point I think it's it's almost certain that Morpheus will cost less than Oculus yeah primarily because yes. o- I mean Oculus is just it has that kind of prestige Tesla sort of a brand affinity to it already like it's just the name that gets that gets ballied about um so it'll come out cheaper than Oculus. So then, that their marketing challenge is, how can we, how how do we 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 need to be able to mimic some of Oculus's features so that we can say, oh, we do that too. You know, we do that too, but we're cheaper. Mm-hmm. But then also, do we need to leave PS4 out of the branding kind of so that people who don't have a PS4 already are you know not turned off right away? You know, because because if you don't have a PS4, yeah. it's, let's just call it a seven hundred dollar investment or a six hundred fifty dollar investment. Yeah, and then then you're more expensive than Oculus, I think. Mm, uh, but the the minimum PCs to run Oculus aren't cheap either. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That hardware. Right, but there's people that justify spending twelve hundred dollars on a game on a, P- on a PC for games right. instead of shelling out three fifty for a game console now. So yeah. It's, on the plus side, they have a lot of consoles out there. Yeah. So. That's true. It's so so yeah. like The pool right now is, you know, pretty large for them. I think it would be smart later on too. Is that if they did like what you're saying for people who don't have PS4s that are interested in it to sell it, is that if whenever it comes out, whatever holiday season when that comes, whenever the year is that it comes out, the holiday season for it, they should have a bundle that has it. Marked back up to like five hundred dollars for APS4 and for PlayStation VR because PlayStation already is already selling so well that they wouldn't they wouldn't miss that profit. I can't imagine off of PlayStation yeah, systems. That's true. Where they would get gar- that back, and, you, and yeah, and you're guaranteeing that VR lands in the hands of an additional person, which is the the lead there is almost more valuable than the than the. What they yeah. lose on the console, even, yeah. Put yeah. it at four fifty or something, or just put it like back up, kind of to where the PS4 originally was, and everybody's like, "Oh, this is a great deal," which it is or would be. Mm-hmm. But bundles, that would yeah, get their that would s- help solidify their in- install base. I have time, another great so. example of a side function I just thought of. So there's, <laughs> it's so under the radar, but they've got like, um, I think they're testing like they're doing live events on PS4. Have you guys noticed this at all? There's like an app that that yeah. lets you tune I did see that, yeah. For some concerts and things like that. Uh the the very first the NBA tip-off games on on Thursday night or was it Wednesday night? Those were broadcast in VR. 
Um, really? So if you had an Oculus, yeah, you could, or huh. yeah, I believe it was just with Oculus, you could log in, and you got like a like a 270 degree camera angle, like courtside for the game. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I, so I know, like the the uh, presidential debates that have been going on too have yes, supported exactly like that, that as well. So so that's sick too. That's really cool. If they could do that same thing for um, or live concerts, concerts, yeah, concerts yeah. for PlayStation, know, they already you know? do that for like you know live events and concerts they have them for movie at movie theaters yeah right to help try and like bring it in and make it a more unique experience that'd be impressive too even if they expanded that to more of the academic realm for like lectures and stuff for just expanding their audience like keeps doing that like being able to insert those places everywhere they can and just I think we're closer than we realize to the academic future where a classroom is is a professor and then a 360 degree camera that's planted in the middle of the room that you can have to leave your door that you can control with your (laughs) headset from away (laughs) right Um, but that's the whole thing entirely yeah it's for me it's going to be the side function so to go back to the Paris games we think like I you know it's I don't want to condemn Sony for the showing because it was a great showing and I think there was even more VR stuff than maybe people even expected so that's awesome. It was a yep. crazy coming out party, but no matter what Sony does, at this stage in the game, I think it's almost impossible that they could sell me on it, you know, because it is that new of a technology. I think so, they did mm-hmm. the very best anyone could have done with that show, but, you know, it doesn't matter. You're still not there yet. Do you think me. a PlayStation VR MMORPG would oh. be a good potential for oh. a killer app? How It'd many be letters good, oh, was that? VR MMORPG. VR MMORPG. Mobile. Yeah, you, you could find ways. Um, yeah, I think it could be a killer app down the road. You know, uh, definitely. Yeah. You know, that's way too sophisticated for even the first oh, yeah. couple years of, of of time. But yeah. yeah, I mean, that stuff's that stuff's coming, man. It's. Right. I, still think, off, I still but... think of Sword Art Online as a PlayStation VR. Like right. right actually bringing it to life and all right yeah so well you know what would be oh guys you, you just made me okay <laughs> another side function right let's let's envision this right let's say sword art online we get to season five or whatever it could conceivably be by the time you can do this on playstation <laughs> vr we're at yeah. season five of sword art online right mm-hmm. you can watch the show on crunchyroll you can watch the show wherever else and stream it do your traditional viewing but certain really high profit blockbuster TV shows and it could be live action shows too let's put a camera in the scene so that you can look around in the scene as the action's happening and kind of look at it as if you're a bystander that would be amazing for detective shows oh that's true <laughs> that would be so true. cool that would be amazing but I feel like oh. that would just cause so many complications in the <laughs> actual recording of those episodes. I don't know, but you could have... I you mean, would see all the camera equipment. There's no way around that unless they locked in your view to just, like, the specific chunk. Well, that's what I'm... Yeah, I... I that right, was, right. It wouldn't be, like, a free... Just, like, so and they, they cut they cut so many times between things in the different scenes, I feel like. That's... I, I don't know if that ever could get to the point where that would work. A VR TV show. Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. man. Spend an average of six, seven minutes in a given setting. I think that's enough time where you wouldn't get whiplash. Well, I mean, just mean for, I just mean for like the recording of lines, the nature of line recording and editing, and that mm. kind of process. There's not a they don't just if it was it'd be one thing if they just did it, 
in one go. That's but, yeah. So that I is, mean, that's, that's I think true. that's the complication that's in that scenario. But who knows? Good point. We'll but we'll see. Anyway, I think that's enough VR chat for now. We did a good amount. <laughs> we've of talked that. about yeah. we've talked about Final. VR a lot. Yeah. Doing PlayStation Fix, I feel like. Well, I Final mean, this Final has Final been Final a Final. good topic. <laughs> That's so, what we get down to. <laughs> but anyway, it's that's worthwhile though. I mean, it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna be worth these conversations until we have the answers. Because I mean, I, I think it says a lot that we're talking about it this much. Because we can, we we're, we fear that it won't be, that it'll fail like iToy did. It'll fail like PlayStation Camera did. It'll fail like VR stuff before it. But I don't feel like any of those technologies were ever talked about the way VR is being talked about by really everybody in the world every every media outlet every press outlet whether it's oculus or vr like everybody's talking about it mm-hmm. right because it's hard just, to imagine uh, it fall flat on his face but it's so futuristic <laughs> it's, it's the dream yeah all right so we'll go on to our final discussion point which isn't really there's a discussion more. there's more <laughs> It's the last thing. It's the same thing that we do every week to end the show off. We're going to talk about the games that are coming out this week that the podcast is releasing. Uh, so the games for this week in November. Number one is Earth Defense Force 4.1, The Shadow of New Despair. Coming, coming out on PS4 on November 3rd, 2015. Yep. So... <laughs> I love uh, the so I, I love the first dis- title <laughs> description of this on uh, our PSU article about this. It says it's a re- reimagining of the PS3 giant insect slaying third person shooter Earth Defense Force 2025. How many letters is that acronym? I don't even know. <laughs> so I did actually get to play um good amount of it at oh, did the next seed event. Yeah, I'm going to be this weekend uploading video um of my gameplay and just saying a few few things about uh about it. I mean it's just there's not too much death. It's a pretty straightforward game. It's fun. Uh it's one of those games where it's more fun playing with another person. Um okay. it just reminds me of Starship Troopers a lot. Hmm. Just shooting lots of bullets at giant insects. <laughs> it's very, very low budget. Okay. Um, yeah, it does not look Oh man, yeah, it does not. <laughs> Ernest, how, how do not you look feel? Good. <laughs> um, uh, even even as a P, if it was a PS3 game, it's it's rough. But I wonder if it's just kind of part of its B movie charm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, the next title, which I got to play at E3, which I would have to say has a little bit more than B movie charm, is Need for Speed. Which is coming out on PS4 in North America and Europe. In North America, it's coming out November 3rd. Europe, November 5th. So, <laughs> Need for Speed was super <sighs> polished what I got to play. Like, it it felt really, really good as a card. That's game, good. So. Um, that's good because it. I find it odd that it has been flying under the radar so much. Like this almost feels, it almost feels kind of like Assassin's Creed syndicate where I'm like, Whoa, okay. That's coming out. Hey, Hey everybody else. Did you know it was coming out? No, I didn't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's just gonna, I, there, I didn't get to see a ton of the game. They talked about a few different, uh, different aspects of it, how you can level up your crew and the different things or get the, 
uh, gameplay types, which are speed, style, crew, build, and outlaw. So those are like your the things that you can focus on in order to to progress the game. So you can focus on speed or whatever, like style. You can just make your crew really awesome, and so you can pick how you want to play the game. But we didn't get to see a lot of it. it. Basically, they just threw like six of us into the same kind of map area, and they had different um, marker mission markers in that confined area, and you could start them up. Like one of the things was I focused on the style one, where all it made me do was drift, like around corners and stuff, and rank up points. So. I don't know. I'm not sure if there's enough there to keep people interested. It seems like they put a lot of time into crafting a pretty complex and interesting kind of play style for it, but I don't know. We'll have to see. Hmm. Uh, I think... Who is reviewing that? I Aren't should... You? Uh, yeah, I'm set to review That's that. Good. That's so. what I thought. I thought Ernest yeah. was going to do this, so look for Ernest's thoughts on that later. Uh, the next game is the Peanuts movie, Snoopy's Grand Adventure. Woo! Coming on PS4 on November 3rd in North America, November 6th in Europe. So it's a side-scrolling platformer published by Activision. Oh, man. So that, Activision. I, yeah. Um, huh. But yeah, it's got some co-op, but it some says co-op. you can play as... Er, players are on the search for Charlie Brown... And you play as Snoopy, and the co- Woodstock comes in as the co-op mm. player when you do stuff. So it looks—I mean, just from stills, it looks looks like it'd be a, it looks like a good family game, or it looks like it'd be fun. I don't know, but so movie tie-in game. Yeah, those are always <laughs> dangerous territory, right? So, but a game that a lot of people, I would say, probably have been waiting a long time for, and Ernest got to play when we were in a, at E3, is Call of Duty Black Ops 3. And you are yeah, re- reviewing this as well, aren't you, Ernest? What? That is on Friday. That's right. Yeah. November 6th. North American <sighs> Europe Man. on PS4 and right. PS3. They're doing, there's a lot of weird Friday releases this year. <laughs> um, NBA 2K16 did a Friday rele- early Friday release. Uh, huh. Same Drake with Assassin's too, right? Nathan Drake Collection. Assassin's Creed Syndicate was another Friday release. Weird. Yeah, but yeah. So I mean, I can't imagine that Black Ops Three is going to go unnoticed by too many people, like Assassin's Creed did. No, it's <laughs> supposed to. I think the Nielsen survey shows it's the most anticipated. Really? Well, impressive. So, but that's that's just you know their survey. So yeah, but still, I mean, that's going to get huge numbers no matter what it is. Yeah. But. Plus, Black Ops is a lot of weight. Just that name, like that specific subseries of Call of Duty, like I feel oh, like yeah. it's always they, those have yeah. always been the big ones, like the blockbuster. Like it's another oh yeah, yeah. Treyarch. I mean, that's why I think it was so uh, either it was either late last year, early earlier this year that they re re released slash reprinted. Uh, one and two on this yeah, collection yeah. for PS3 and 360 because those two games are just still so widely played and loved. Yeah. All right. Well, those are the games you can look forward to playing this week. We'll have more for you next week, and we'll have another episode of PlayStation Fix for you next week. So thank you, Ernest and Kyle, for joining me on this wonderful podcast. Not it at was, all, man. That was a lot of fun. We had a lot of conversation. Sure, no, it was man. a lot of stuff. A lot of ground to cover. Paris yeah. games we gave us no a Square lot. Enix, no Kingdom Hearts three. Well, now there is. He just talked about it. 
<laughs> the French don't care about Kingdom Hearts and JRPGs, Kyle. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, to PlayStation Fix, and we'll be back next week for some more PlayStation Fix. See ya. Can we fix it? <laughs> yes, yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.